This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. So today we're continuing our series on labels. And you know, when we talk about labels, we, you know, we made the illustration that could General Motors take a Ford car, a Ford automobile, as it came off the assembly line and put a Chevrolet label on it, uh, emblem, and sell it as a Chevrolet. And everyone responded, no, they couldn't. And, and I you know, said, exactly because that's illegal, it's fraud. It would be fraud. And if they did that, they would be sued. And it would cost them greatly. And the reason it's fraud is this. Only the one, now hear me, I've already said it before, but we'll say it again. Only the one who makes a thing can label that thing. And you and I were made by God. We weren't made by, your mother and dad had you, but they didn't make you. Your friends didn't make you. Your employer didn't make you. The people in your neighborhood didn't make you. Those that love you and those that hate you didn't make you. You were made by God. Only God made you. You're the creation, the handiwork of God. So only God, only God and no one else has the right, the authority to label you. That's why it's so important to get into God's Word and to find out what labels God has given you. you. We sang about one just a moment ago. We said, I am a child of God. Wow. In 1 John chapter 3, John says this. He said, isn't it amazing? I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but in the Vicar's version, he says, isn't it amazing? Can you imagine it? God calls us His very own children. And we don't even understand and comprehend what else He has planned for us. In other words, that right there is pretty big. Yeah. Matter of fact, it's the biggest thing in this world. I want you to look at somebody and say, I'm a child of God. That's right. Well, and today we're going to focus on a label. In particular, because it's Father's Day, we're going to focus on that label. The label of a father. Everybody say father. 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 Well now, if you're a child of God, God's your father. Amen. Amen. But we hope, you know, we have earthly fathers, my earthly father is in heaven. But uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, we're talking about fathers today. Okay, Mom. So just come on in here with me. Uh, a father and a son were walking along the beach uh, on the seashore there and the father was pointing out, talking about how God had made the, the ocean and he made the, you know, and put the, uh, all the, the sun up there and doing all this and talking to the sun and, and just having a good time with the sun holding hands and suddenly they came up on a seagull that had died and it was laying there on the seashore and the son says, Dad, look what happened. And the dad wanted to continue his 
teaching experience and helping his son to grapple with understanding an unseen God, he said, well, son, he went to heaven to be with God. And the little boy looked at the seagull for a while. You could tell his little mind was pondering that. Then he looked up, back up at his dad and he said, then why did he throw him back? <laughs> Here's another one that uh, maybe some of you will think, well, that relates to you, preacher. But uh, uh, the pastor was standing at the rear door or the front door of the church as the people were going out and greeting him, and he was greeting them as, as they left the service. And a little boy came up and stuck out his hand, and he said, Preacher, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. And the pastor bent down and he said, Wow, that's so sweet of you. And he said, Now why would you want to do a thing like that? He said, because my daddy said you're the poorest preacher he's ever heard. <laughs> so now, when I'm standing out there, now these next stories are true, not quite so funny though. James Boswell was a Scottish lawyer and an author. You can look him up in Wikipedia who lived in the 1700s, uh, he often wrote about and referred to a certain day in his childhood. It was a day that he and his father went out fishing. And it was the first time they'd ever fished together. And he told, spoke so much about this, and uh, his father on that day taught him how to fish. And in his diary, his journal, James Boswell wrote about the incident, and he closed it out with this statement, the greatest day of my life. Years later, even after he, James Boswell, had died, people were, uh, some people were going through his uh, things. And they found, uh, his, or I'm sorry, going through his father's things uh, that he had and, so the other family had. And in his father's journal, they thought, because they looked at James Boswell's journal and found that day. So they thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we could find the same day in his father's journal and see what his father wrote about it? His father wasn't quite as elaborate about the day. Instead of describing all that happened like James did, he wrote a simple statement. Spend the day teaching my son to fish Wasted day. Wasted day. Wow. He didn't realize, did he? That father, that man, perhaps was thinking, I really need to accomplish something. There's things I need to be doing instead of out here spending time, wasting time with my son on how to fish. How's that going to change the world? What, that, what is that going to do? He didn't realize that he was changing a life. This is another true story. A young man was sentenced uh, to be sentenced to the penitentiary. The judge had known him from childhood, for he was well acquainted with his father, who was a famous legal scholar and the exhaustive, a, uh, the author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trust. Do you remember your father, the judge asked? 
I remember him well, your honor. Then trying to probe the young man's conscience, the judge said, as you are about to be sentenced, and as you think of your wonderful example of a father that you have, what do you remember most clearly about him? There was a pause. Then the judge received an answer he had not expected. The young man said, I remember when I went to him for advice, he looked up at me from the book he was writing and said, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned me aside saying, run along, son, my book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as a lost friend. The magistrate said, alas, he finished his book, but lost his boy. I'll tell you what, I don't want to lose Amen. my boy or my son-in-law's. Last story, another true story. In Spain, there was a father and son. Their relationship became estranged, as fathers and sons sometimes will deal with having to work through the issues and, and one has to be the adult. The son ran away from home and, after, and the father began to search to try to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find his son, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday at the appointed place and appointed time, 800 men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their father. I believe, now listen to this, I believe the lack of true fathers in the American society today, because America is a fatherless society now. Oh, we have dads in the home, but they're too busy living their lives, accomplishing their goals, doing their thing. Or either they have left the home, like my wife's father did, to satisfy his own life. Because at the end of the day, his life mattered more than his wife and five little children. So he left them as little children to fend for themselves. I believe the lack of true fathers in the American society is our greatest problem and I believe it's greater than financial issues, than ISIS, or any other issue, than global warming. Those things have their place and they are issues. But the greatest issue, the greatest deep hurt in America, and it causes a lot of our racial issues, it causes a lot of our, uh, a lot of our issues, are grown or are, are from the seedbed 
of the lack of a father, of real fathers. Fathers who lay their lives down for their family. You know, in the Bible, God never told the woman or the wife to lay her life down. Women kind of tend to do that. But he did say that the fathers, the husbands and the fathers, the men, are to lay their lives down. Even as Christ laid his down for his church. Let me read this to you. Jesus, and I'm going to set the scene for you. Mary Magdalene is going to prepare our tomb, uh, the tomb of Jesus after he was buried. And she's going to uh, put some uh, things, uh, you know, do some preparation there uh, at his tomb. And when she went there, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. Praise God. Amen. And she looks around and she sees this man that she thinks is the gardener and she says, where have they put... And he says to her, who are you looking for? And she says, my Lord, uh, do you know where they put him? They've taken him and, and the, the tomb is, where he lay is empty. And Jesus said this. He said, Mary. And when he said that, she looked at him and realized it was her Savior, her Lord, Jesus. And she ran to him and she threw her arms around her and Jesus said this. Now listen, he said, don't cling to me. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them. Now I'm about to read a phrase that to me is the most powerful, most wonderful, most beautiful phrase in all of the Bible. Go and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. My friend, that's the first place in the Bible that God is called the Father of Man. I am ascending to your, my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. My soul says hallelujah. Because in that statement, He declared, you're forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what your life has been like, what I did... At the cross and my death, burial, and resurrection, my blood that was shed, my body that was broken, the hell that I suffered, and the resurrection now that I have been given. It has purchased you, and you're now children of God. God is your Father. Now, I want to take you for just a moment, a little bit, out of my own personal life growing up. Not much. Uh, I won't bore you with the details. But in my life, I've had a lot of roles. A lot of roles. I've worn a lot of labels. Some I don't want to talk about and will not talk about. But some of the roles or labels that I've worn have been son. I was a son in the house. Uh, I was a student. I was an employee at different places. A husband. Friend, pastor, and even business owner, to name just a very few of the labels 
that have been in my life. But the one label, the one role, that of all of them, I felt the gravest, heaviest responsibility in fulfilling that role is Father. Being a father. I knew that how I was, how I fulfilled that role, I knew that it would gravely, deeply affect the four little lives that called me dad. Inadequate? Oh, that's not even a term that would even partially describe how I felt. Incapable? Yeah, that would just be a little snippet of what I felt. Impossible would probably be better. I didn't know how to father. I really had a hard time even just finding out what to do. I knew that if I failed as a father, that my failure would not just mark my life, but it would mark theirs, my children's, and many more. And they would be my victims. The problem I had was this, that my father and I did not have a good relationship. We, uh, I loved my father. I, I, if you don't, did offended by the term, I almost idolized him. I thought my dad could do anything. And really my dad was very good at many things. I mean, he could see a picture of something, whether it was a piece of furniture, a building, a boat, whatever it may be, and he could build it. He built, he was a contractor, general contractor, he built homes and commercial buildings and all kinds of stuff. And the first job I ever had, I was three years old, digging a ditch. Now you know how much I dug. But, and I got a check at the end of the week. Uh, my dad paid me. But my dad and I were never really close. And I longed to have a relationship with him. And it didn't happen until about one month before he died. After living his entire life, all of a sudden, he and I, in the last few moments of his life, we built a relationship. When my dad died, I wept. I went out behind our house into a field and found a place to just sat down. Under the moon, I began to weep, and I wept, and I wept. And I realized I was bringing out all these things that were deep inside me. Let me tell you what, man, now listen to me. We have a hard time expressing feeling. We have a hard time communicating love. We have a hard time with a lot of things that we see women do so easily. But that's not our excuse for not doing it. Because every 
little life that looks to you, whether you're the biological father or a mentor in the life, they are longing for your input, your affirmation, your love, your guidance, your correction. If you'll be that, their lives will soak it up like a sponge. That last month of my dad's life, I was like a dry sponge thrown into a wet pool of water. I began to soak up so much. And it did so much for me. You know what it tells me? It's never too late as long as you're still breathing. I am so glad God gave my dad and I that last moment. Because if we hadn't, there would be some things unresolved that only God could resolve. But I'm grateful that God gave us that time. But growing up between the time before that time, because of the relationship issues that we had, now, my dad is, is in heaven, and he's, in my eyes, a great man. And I honor my dad. Sometimes we only do what we know to do. We only copy what we've seen. And we replicate what was given to us. But because of that relationship issue, there was huge gaps in my life. Uh, that I struggled desperately to correct and fill. And the problem is, until I met Jesus, most of the ways I tried to fill those gaps is through wrong things, self-destructive ways that hurt me and hurt others. I searched for identity and approval. I had no concept of boundaries which caused scars in my life and in the lives of others. We're not born understanding boundaries. We need a father to help us find them. I had no direction in my life. Uh, I, I, my compass wasn't good. My, my, uh, the needle couldn't find true north. So because of that, I live in the moment. And that's a dangerous place to live. You must be in the moment, but you can't live only for the moment. Because that's a life that says there's no consequences, there's no responsibility. And so because of that, I was always in trouble, in and out of jail, in and out of relationships, in and out of friendships, in and out of everything. And mostly, a heart ache to my parents. And here's one that was so deep within me. I had no faith whatsoever internally as to the person I was. I did not believe in Steve Vickers. Oh, I knew I could do things. I knew my gifts. And I utilized them. And I kept a front, a facade. And, and I presented what I wanted to present for so that I could get what I wanted. But because of the lack of a father in my life, 
a lack of relationship. I did not believe in myself. But then something happened in my life. At 24 years of age, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I genuinely was born again. My life changed. I'm not talking about an emotional experience. I'm talking about a change of life. And after I surrendered my life to Jesus, I didn't realize what was taking place, but I began to notice it over time that suddenly the gaps that had been there that were so evident, and I always was aware of them everywhere I went, these deep insecurities and the, 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 the gaps in my life, I began to notice that now because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I was, those were being filled because God was fathering me as I read the Word, as I prayed, and as I served in my local church. God began to father me. The gaps began to slowly fill up and I was becoming a new person. Let me tell you, see the Bible says this, that when we belong to Jesus Christ, we become a process. We become a new person. Our old way of life passes away and a new life begins growing on the inside of us. Amen. This process is a lifelong process. God, no matter what the Father is, what kind of, how you've been Father, God will Father you. He wants to father every one of us if we'll allow him. Let's wrap this up. I want to share with you five key roles of a father. And in every one of these, these were gaps. The gaps in my life. Number one, a father gives us identity. A father gives us identity. You know, you know that it is from the male, the man, that uh, the gender is determined. You know, the, the man determines, okay. Uh, and that the blood actually comes from the father. In, the in, in our internals, our Father creates our identity. Who we are. Because of the lack of that relationship, I was always searching for who I was. And the problem is you wind up searching in wrong places. A Father sets my identity. This is who we are. I remember sitting at the table with our kids and I'd say, this is who a victim is. This is who we are. This is what we're like. Number two, a Father delegates authority. Now, why did I use the term delegate? Because all authority is delegated. No one is the creator of authority other than God. Every authority in the world, whether governmental or whatever it may be, and in the home, all authority comes from God. And a father delegates that authority. When a father is not fathering his children, they have no respect for authority. 
Because they don't understand authority. Because to have respect for authority, you must first be under authority. Not dictatorship. Authority. Authority. The authority of God is always in love. It is governance founded based in love. Number three, a father sets our boundaries. What are the boundaries? You look at America today and where are the boundaries of what's right and what's wrong? Of what is good and what's bad? What's wholesome and what's hurtful? There's no boundaries. And we want to tear away the boundaries. And we see it's almost as if there is a diabolical plot, and there is, to destroy all boundaries. Because when we cease to have boundaries, we're in trouble. We see what happened in Charleston, South Carolina, when there are no boundaries. We see what has been happening in America with murders and all types of things going on. And we're saying, now listen, I'm not going to get into the politics of it. And there is, a, there, is some, there is some sanity about, there should be some sane issues about gun control without doing away with the amendment right that we have. But the guns are not the problem. It's the problem of the people who have them who have no boundaries, who have never been taught boundaries, and it's because we have no fathers. Everybody must have boundaries. There's a place that you step that you're not allowed. And you won't go there. Listen, I have boundaries in my, rela in my relationship with every other female because there's a boundary this marriage creates with me. And those boundaries were established when we said I do. There's boundaries, and it's out of that grows integrity, honesty, trustworthiness. You can depend, dependability. What I say, I will do. We need boundaries, and a man, the father, sets the boundaries. The mother nurtures, but the father sets the boundaries. A father teaches us responsibility. I went over the other morning to my son's house, and my grandson, Stephen, early in the morning, was out there cutting the grass. Because it's his responsibility now. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud to call you my grandson. Amen. That's good. Amen. I'm proud of you. You see, we have responsibility. And a father in his home says, this is my responsibility. This home, this family, is my responsibility. I will provide. I will protect. Now, I'll tell you what. I love everybody. I genuinely, I mean, I do. I love people. Now, I'm not expressive like Denise is. You know, we go in an elevator. But we can go two floors. She knows everything about them. Their kids, grandkids, their names, where they've lived, all the, you know, 
where they grew up, everything, and their best friends. Well, I haven't said a word to them. But that doesn't mean I don't like them. Okay? We're just kind of different. And that's good. Uh, and I love, I love Penny. I mean, I love that she's that way. I do. But a father, you know, I mean, I love everybody. But I'm going to tell you what. You hurt me or mine? Hurt me or mine? Hurt mine? What? Not just me, I'm talking about. I can, people can hurt me, but when they hurt mine, I'm going to cha challenge them. And if I have to, I'll hurt somebody. Come on. A father teaches us responsibility. Then I close with this. A father teaches us or demonstrates and shows us unconditional love. Unconditional love. For God so loved the world. For God so loved a sinful, shameful, hateful world that the Bible says did not desire Him, did not seek after Him, and really did not want a relationship with Him. They really wanted God to leave them alone let them live their life and leave them to do what they want. They didn't want Him in love. Yet God said, no matter how you are, no matter what you think about me, I still love you. I love you. Let me tell you something. I love my children, my grandchildren. There's not a thing under God's earth they could do just change that. I may not approve everything because there's boundaries. But there's no bound to my love. There's no boundary to my love. And a father, listen guys, it is not our wives' responsibility to show to the children their love. It's not. Because every child craves that father's love. And a dad, you may not be the same way that, you know, the mother is. You can demonstrate that unconditional love. That when they fail, when they mess up, you still love them. You correct them. You show them the boundaries. You make them accept responsibility. But then you reassure them. I still love you. I still love you. Father, I pray over every dad in this room. I want every man in this room to stand while I pray. Just stand your feet. Whether you're a father or not, you're a man. You're a man. Because here's the reality. Every man, every male, every male, when they get to adulthood, they're either a biological father or they are a father. But young people look to you. Even if you have children, those that aren't your children, will you look at you? And I pray over you. Father, I pray for every man in this room. I pray that by the, your wisdom and your grace upon them, that first they would live a life for you, their life would be 
surrender to you and they would serve you and they would demonstrate to those around them, their families, their friends, that they belong to you, that they are a child of God. And I pray, oh God, that you help them to accept the responsibility that they have as a man. And especially those that are fathers. I pray God for those that the relationships are not what they should be. I pray that the dads would have the courage to humble themselves and seek out their son and say, I'm sorry. I love you. And I want us to have a relationship from this moment on. Today is a new day. It's a new start. But all the men pray with this little prayer with me. Oh God. I thank you that you've made me a man. I accept my role as a man and my responsibility. Help me to be the man I should be in every way. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.